0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Tiny Reminders podcast, where we learn big lessons from small voices. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Ward Lupinacci. If you're unsure of what we do here, this might be a good time to pause the episode and take a listen to our short intro episode to hear about our goals and our process here at Tiny Reminders. This is another storyteller episode today where we get the chance to hear some important things about the lived experience of a kid with a story to share. I want to say a couple of things about the process of gathering stories and doing these interviews with kids. Uh, I think it's important to know that every story you hear from these kids is their own. Our creative sessions together involve a lot of talking and processing, and once we've done that, the kids get to work on their own with the writing. When I get these stories back, I have no idea what they'll be. But I do know, because I've been in process with the kids and their storytelling for long enough to recognize Some of the other themes in their stories that there are some things underneath that we've already talked about and worked through and processed in our story gathering sessions, but maybe didn't come through in the stories that they uh, actually form and tell. So remembering that, remembering that kids really drive the plan here and are at the center of all of this, they decide how their story is going to be told and how they want the interview to go They even choose the sequence of reading and interview um, and really the whole structure. But I want the listener to know that the times when you hear me maybe leading the storyteller somewhere, it's because there's something more we talked about and worked through, and I had a sense of the importance of it to that child as they're talking. So even when I'm leading them, the kids here are still in control of the narrative, I think that's a really important uh, reminder for all of us as we listen. Our episode today is a really nice extension of our last Storyteller episode. We decided this would be a really good way to continue our discussion from the experiences of Addie as she recounted her panic attacks as a five-year-old. You'll hear our Storyteller this week, May, begin her story and frame it as a story of anxiety. But as we continue listening to her story, something else emerges as central to the story and soon anxiety becomes the supporting character to something that feels maybe bigger or more central to who she is and what she wants us all to know. May has a complicated relationship with school, and certainly some of it does relate to the feelings of anxiety she experiences. But at some point, it starts to become difficult to untangle her anxiety from school and her school from her anxiety... We'll let her tell you more about it. All right. Hi. Hi. How are you? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good today? Uh, how about you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Um, a beautiful day here. Although I've heard where you're at, it's a little snowy. Yeah, it snowed yesterday. That's, um, that's a lot for May. So we're recording this in <laughs> May of uh, 2020. And actually, it's kind of a good idea during this time to give a little context because, um, you know, people might be listening to this in the future. And we should know that During this time, we are uh, right in the middle of a pandemic and still pretty much quarantined to our houses. Have you been uh, mostly staying home these days?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think I'm going to go with my dad to go get groceries. So rather than that, I haven't really left the house.
0: Right, I know. That's every kid I talk to is like, "Oh man, I got to do a grocery store trip this week," and it becomes like the highlight of our week. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, okay, so do you take? Would you want to take a minute and introduce yourself? Tell everybody your name. Yeah.
1: Um, so I'm May, and I'm 14 years old.
0: You're 14 years old. Okay. And let's see, let me ask you one thing, uh, just so people get an idea of your personality. What is your favorite thing to do? To do, um,
1: well, lately I've been into, um, like making comic strips.
0: Oh, cool. Um, But I like writing and drawing. So writing, drawing, comic strips, uh, creative things, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely creative things. Okay. um, And let's see. Do you have a favorite movie or show or book? Um,
1: probably my favorite movie is either The Count of Monte Cristo
0: or uh, Hook. Oh, cool. Okay. Sort of mm-hmm. dramatic things. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Um, cool. Okay. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're going to share today?
1: Um, sure. I'm going to be sharing about, um, how school can, like my different experiences in school and
0: how it relates to anxiety. Awesome. Okay. We're very excited to hear it. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. You're going to read for us a few short stories that you've written about your experience. And then yep. um, we'll chat a little bit in between. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. All right, whenever you're ready. Okay. The first time
1: I really started to notice anxiety was in first grade. Back then, I had no idea what anxiety was. All I can remember is this one moment. I can't even remember what led up to this moment, but I do remember how I felt. I was in the first grade, probably around age six and my teacher was miss williams now miss williams has a system for if you would get in trouble she had a pocket labeled with your name in that pocket there was one green card two yellow cards and one red card if you were behaving well you stayed on green if not you would flip your card to the next thing. and if you got on red you were sent to the principal's office so it was a little class and for some unknown reason I thought it was a good idea to stand on my chair. Miss Williams saw me do it, and she stopped teaching the class, went over to my pocket, and flipped over two cards. So there I was, standing on my chair, (laughs) on the last yellow card, completely petrified. I sat down shaking, and I could barely breathe. I felt everyone's eyes on me. One more move, and I could be sent to the principal's office. I was only six, so I did not know what happened down at the principal's office. I was so scared. This was my first time getting in trouble at school. This little moment that Miss Williams probably meant no harm by really affected me. From that moment all the way up to fourth grade, my mom had to come in to volunteer at the school or else I would not go. Thank goodness that my mom had all the time to do that. I felt safer with her there, so she helped in the classroom with Miss Williams, was the lunch lady, and even a stand-in cropping guard. Let's just say she was busy helping me at school. And the days that she did not work, I sat in the office to eat my lunch because lunch with everybody else was too anxiety-ridden. That was only the beginning, though.
0: That's such a, a powerful story and something that you're remembering <laughs> yeah. back on from first grade, right? That's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. How, um, yeah, I can. How vivid are those memories for you?
1: Um, I mean, well, I I don't know. I definitely do still think about them and I do remember being like super like scared during those moments. Like even now I'm sometimes I'm still scared to like go up and talk to teachers or like raise my hand in class just because I don't know. I felt like sometimes I would do one little thing but I would get in a lot of trouble
0: sort of like doing one little tiny thing <laughs> right and it, so, it felt like a, a lot of trouble for you yeah did, did you something I think about a lot um for kids who have experiences like this did you see other kids getting in like a lot more trouble or a lot more frequent trouble um yeah I mean I
1: definitely did but like I don't know I feel like I was always portrayed as like the good kid, kind of like the teacher's pet. So whenever I did something, like say the kid could do something big and get in a smaller amount of trouble, or if I did something small, I would get into a lot of trouble, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, I totally get that. So so a little bit more uh, probably pressure on you because – it, yeah. was, it was out of your character to do something that might get you in trouble. Hmm. I wonder, as you're talking about it, I wonder if, um, you had had always felt those kinds of feelings of anxiety even outside of school. Do you have any memory of that?
1: Um. I mean, not too much, but I definitely do remember a couple times. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so some little things. Do you looking back on yeah. it, I mean you've you've written these stories about all the the common theme of, in all your stories is your schooling experience. Do you think that those feelings of of nervousness or worry are are worse when you're in school?
1: Definitely, I would say. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, so for you that feels uh that feels like a space where the anxiety that you experience is more intense. Mm -hmm. I want to say, uh, there is, so you're talking a little bit here about, um, how like being nervous in school, right? So you would be nervous if, if you, the teacher called on you, do you have that? Um, yes, definitely.
1: Or like if I were asked to read or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I remember last year there was this one um, part where um, I was asked to read, and I like messed up a lot, and it just made me so nervous. And I like started like sweating,
0: and I was like, "Oh god!" Oh man, <laughs> sweaty at school—it's the worst, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, do you have the thing? Okay, this is what this is the kind of ex- anxiety that I experienced at school, and I think it's probably common for for people. It's not for everybody, but for some of us where, like, if I had a teacher who I didn't – who did the thing where they called on people randomly, so if you didn't know that you were going to get called on, it's all I could think about. Even if it was, like, something I knew really well, yeah, or something that, like, I probably knew the answer to – if If I knew that there was a chance that I was gonna get called on, but I didn't get the choice of it, right? Like it's different if you like you raise your hand and you offer the answer as opposed to someone just like mm-hmm. randomly calling on you, it would just totally shut me down. Do you have that? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, so so you know a lot of i I do a lot of work with teachers. Um, and one of the things I always say is like it, it you might think it's like a good, practice to get everybody participating. But what you're doing for a lot of kids in class, if you're doing, have you ever had a teacher do the Popsicle stick thing where they have names in a jar and then they pull a Popsicle stick? Oh, or, Yeah. Yeah. That's Yeah. It's horrible. So yeah. So for some of us that just completely shuts down the learning and we can't even, I have an entire class from ninth grade, my geometry class, that um, I don't remember a single thing from because the whole time I was too worried about being called on and I couldn't do any kind of learning or retain information. So uh, it's the worst, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I think for for some of us with those kinds of feelings, like having some control over when we participate can be really helpful. Oh, yeah. Because the other thing I was going to say for you, because I know you, um, you are also a kid who does, um, like, theater, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, tons of theater. Right. So you can get up in front of an an audience. You're not afraid of that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, with these. I, I love doing presentations, actually.
0: Right. So what do you think the difference is between, like, that kind of experience and then the one where you're at school and you're getting attention in the classroom?
1: Well, I think with, when I'm like presenting, like I know what I'm going to say. Like I studied the topic. Well, I know like almost anything about it, but like in class, like I'm learning the stuff. Not really like I already know. it. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good way to put that. And I actually have never thought of it that way until you just said that, that, I have that too so I can get up in front of hundreds and hundreds of people and I'm fine I can teach anywhere I can present all over the world but um and I don't get nervous but it's because I know it and I'm in control of it but if I'm in the classroom that's my space to be learning and that's not a performance that's different learning is not a performance Mm -hmm. oh yeah okay we're doing good work here Just a quick note here, because I can't help myself. After we talked, I had this running in a loop in my head for the rest of the day. Learning is not a performance. Learning is not a performance. And yet, when we base an entire learning system on how well students can communicate their mastery of standardized concepts in very rigid and narrow ways, like, say, taking tests all the time it does kind of feel like we've given them a script to rehearse and recite in just exactly the ways we expect and train them to do so that we can then evaluate their performance. Sorry, I mean progress. Uh, In feminist pedagogy, which is the framework I use in my teaching, learning is a process of engagement and embodiment and community. It's not a performance. Um, okay good is there anything else you want to talk about from that that first story um not not
1: not that I can think of right off the top of my head okay
0: we might uh come back to it and, and loop back as we go through your other stories are you ready to come into short story Oh, uh, yeah I think so cool all right whenever you're ready
1: okay my fifth grade year was going so well I mean, I started to have less anxiety, and I felt pretty happy. During lunch, I sometimes went to the bathroom just to take a breather. And yes, I am going to admit, I did face being sick a couple times when I was at school, when it just got too much. But I had a great teacher, not to mention I was surrounded by great kids, or so I thought. My fifth grade year is when I really started to realize something strange. I was being left out, like, Seriously, I was being ignored. No one wanted to talk to me or be my partner for projects. It was fine for a little while because I knew this was quite a large school and I haven't really met any of these kids before. I thought I might have to just get them used to me, but after about three months with this group, nothing had changed. I was determined to get these people to like me. Soon, I developed a plan. First, I tried joining their lunch tables. I thought I was getting somewhere, but when I tried to speak, no one even looked my direction or I would just get an eye roll like I was bothering them. Finally, I decided this just wasn't going to work. Next, I tried to get in groups with the air quotes, popular kids. But of course, everyone wanted to be in groups with them. It was hard to find an opening. (laughs) Lastly, my grand finale, the end of the year party. I invited everyone in class. It was a pool party since I was violated. I was excited. We got nine foot long sandwiches, all types of soda and candy. We set it all up with coolers and lawn chairs. But when the party finally came, one person showed. So out of my 28 classmates, one person showed. I felt really disappointed. Let's just say the rest of the party was awkward. The one person who came, my sister and I all swimming together. (laughs) That was the start of me, and I'm, that was the start of me really, and I mean really having trouble with anxiety. I started to develop some social anxiety as well. I kind of just decided that I'm only at school to learn and do nothing else. So I started to become more quiet in class because I thought no one really wanted to listen to me or what I had to say, which I've learned now, if someone doesn't care about you or what you're saying, then they're not meant to be your friend. But trust me, it takes a long time for yourself to get to that point. Well, after being left out, mixed with the disappointment of the party, I decided that I wanted to go to a different school. I, I could hit the reset button and it would all be great. Man, could I not have been more
0: wrong. All right. Thank you for sharing that part of your story. So we're in fifth grade now and and thinking about another time that it, this must feel like a a pretty pivotal moment for you. Yeah. So I want to know a little bit more if you want, if you don't mind sharing, um, a little bit more about fifth grade. So, you went into fifth grade hopeful. You had a plan. It sounds like you're kind of a, a kid who likes to have a plan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you had a plan. You were going to take some steps to make some really good friends. hmm Did you come to that on your own? Were you getting help, like, thinking of strategies, or were you just kind of doing this on your no,
1: own? No. My, my parents, they like anybody, they didn't really know like this was happening. So I kind of just decided this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to see if it works out.
0: Yeah, good. Okay. So that's such an interesting point. That's what I was going to ask you next is, did anybody know that you were struggling? Uh, no, no, you kept that all in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Looking back on it, do you think that's the way you would handle it now? Or do you wish you would have had some help?
1: Um, well, it kind of just depends on what the situation would be, but I probably would like some help. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe like the school counselor. Yeah.
0: That's what I was wondering about. Do you, there was nobody at your school that you went to for help? Uh, no, not, (laughs) Do you think that's partly because, and I don't know, I'm just speculating a little bit. Do you think it's because like nothing really, you know, necessarily really bad had happened? Yeah.
1: So I, yeah, so nothing really that bad was happening. You just, so I just kind of figured, you know, nobody really needs to, you
0: know, know about this. Right. And you were, you were going to handle it. You're like a a strong, smart kid. You're going to handle it and figure it out. Yep. Yeah. I know how that goes. I've got, uh, I've got some of that in me as well. Okay. So, um, the other thing, you know, I think about this a lot too. I've, I work with a lot of kids who have been in situations like this and I've heard kids say before, it's hard to ask for help when you don't know what to ask for. So like. Uh, what are you going to say? Like, you're going to go to someone and be like, I, I just don't really have any friends.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's a good point too. I didn't really know like what to say. <laughs> anyway.
0: Right. Like how do you, how do you ask for someone to help you make friends? I mean, it's, that's not, and also like who wants to say that? Did you admit it? Like, this is, this is something, um, and I I'll talk about this a little bit too in, in, the podcast but i went through something a little bit similar when i was in high school and i remember there being a point like i i had been like like you like i'm good i'll handle it i don't need to talk to anybody about it i'll just take care of it and then i had a real moment one day talking to my parents finally about it where i was like wait you guys i don't have any friends and that was a really hard to say I think it was the first time I really cried about it because I was like I was kind of pretending I was okay pretending I was okay and then I was like oh wait I don't have anybody that I feel like I can go to with this or get support with this and that's that's a really really lonely feeling oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so that's relatable to you mm-hmm yeah um yeah. Now I'm gonna, I'm getting all emotional here. Okay. um, So yeah. So I think for, that's something for us to think about that like sometimes, you know, if, if kids are struggling with friend things, it might not always show up as like a behavior or it might not show up as like, I'm in a fight with my friends. It might just be someone feels really, really alone. And um, that's something to pay attention to because I think it might be harder to ask for help when you're, just feeling like you're alone. And like you said so beautifully when you're in your writing that like, if you feel like nobody really cares what you have to say, then like, it's really hard to advocate for yourself if you feel like nobody really cares. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Whew. that's a lot. All right. You okay yeah. over there? <laughs> yep. I'm doing good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we move on to your next story? Okay, here we go. It was a new school, new year, new me. New school, new year, new me. I bet this sounds pretty familiar to a lot of us. May is a middle schooler here, and already she's internalized this very gendered idea that new beginnings, like the new year, are also a time to make big changes to who we are. I want us to hold on to this as we listen to the rest of May's story. There are some themes around confidence that I think might relate just directly back to this. I think there might be some work for a lot of us to do in this area, thinking about the messages we send to girls from a really young age and the way they then internalize those ideas of what it means to be good enough and to just keep trying to be better and different and new. A new me, not just me, right? Just me. It was the
1: first day of school, and I already had people inviting me over to their lunch table. It was great. I decided to sit down at this lunch table. It had four girls at it, Mia, Beth, Bella, and Sarah. Finally, I thought, some nice people who actually liked me. Everything was swelled. I had been invited to Beth's sleepover, even. I had my reserved spot at lunch, so I was no longer going to the bathroom to take a break or skipping school. I felt accepted and calm there. Well, let's just say that didn't last too long. The first part to go was the being calm part. It was like the third month at my new school and we had a lockdown, an actual lockdown. This school was in the not so nice part of our big city. So I did not, so it did not really surprise me in the slightest, but it was really scary. I had an anxiety attack underneath my desk while in fetal position. The walls were shrinking. My heart was pounding. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I could pass out in an instant. It was horrible. I'm pretty sure I started crying as well. From that moment on, I no longer felt comfortable there. The next thing to leave the building was feeling accepted. My air quote, friends. Made multiple comments on what I was wearing. I remember this one incident where Mia said that my hair looked horrible and told me I should get a cut. Or Beth had told me that my boots looked horrendous and that I should, and I would look way better if I wore these boots. After a while, these comments started to really sink in and I felt like I needed to change everything about my appearance. Now, looking back, I also noticed how they would blame stuff on me all the time. Why did you do this, May? Or, we would not be in this mess if it wasn't for you. They were absolutely terrible friends. If anyone treats you like this, you should drop them immediately before anything gets worse. Of course, I had no clue that then. During lunch, they had an idea to write a book based off of people in this school with us as the main characters. I thought it would be fun, so of course I agreed. After about a month or so of talking about it over lunch, we decided what everyone's fake names were going to be. They started writing it. I read the first little bit of a book, but never the rest. I asked them to share the story with me multiple times, but they didn't. I started to get a little mad because I wanted to be a part of making the book. Then one day at lunch, they asked me to write a section of it. I was excited to get to work. They asked me to write about a girl walking to throw out the trash. I thought it was quite a weird thing to write about. I had not the slightest idea of how a girl walking to the trash would contribute to the story. But I said yes. So I sat and wrote a very, very in-depth description of a girl walking to the trash can. They said thank you, and I never heard much about the story for like a month, but then something completely unexpected happened. It was near the end of history, my last period. I saw the principal walk into our classroom. I disregarded it, as he never came for me. But he started walking over to where Mia and I were sitting. I could just feel a panic attack coming on. He tapped me on my shoulder and I told Mia and I to follow him. As we were following him to the principal's office, I was repeating, don't cry, don't cry, over and over again. It felt like my heart was going a mile a minute, and I was barely breathing. I got dizzy, but a part of me wanted to pass out, so I didn't have to go to the principal's office. I had so many emotions, it was overwhelming. What could he possibly need me for? I've always been good, right? There was a million thoughts sliding around in my head. I was the first he talked to. I was trying to keep my composure, but I didn't. I started bawling. He started to ask me questions, but I could barely get a word out. When we were done, I learned that the book was a murder mystery about the people at school. Like, it was bad. Really bad. Bad language, bad people, bad actions. My name was connected to that one small paragraph. It turns out, Beth, Bella, and Sarah all got suspended, and they had to talk to the cops to see if there was any sort of threat. I never thought I could have ever got wrapped up into something like that. I came back to history, me still bawling. My history teacher gave me a hug and told me to go to the bathroom. For the rest of the day, I was crying in the bathroom. When the school got out, I immediately told my mom. We decided it was best to switch school again. Later we found out that two of the teachers, including my super nice history teacher, quit their job there. Turns out the year didn't get any better when I wasn't there. The rest of the three months left of school. I were sent at a school that was amazing. It, I had six kids in my class. It was like half public school, half home school. It was perfect. My dad got a job transfer, however. We were moving across
0: that kind of Oh man. And the story just continues to get more complicated with your schooling. <laughs> so at this point, uh, wait, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Uh, your writing, oh, yeah, in, you're- your writing is just so good. And I have to say, before we say <laughs> anything else, my favorite thing is, uh, when, when you say the first thing to go was the being calm part, and then the next thing you say, the next paragraph is the next thing to leave the building was feeling accepted. That's so funny. Um, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, good. So, but it's, it, that's funny, but uh, that's a, a really scary story and like a nightmare, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, I kind of changed the whole way that I like thought about like everything. I'm like, I need to be more careful about who. I'm I'm friends with and like who I like hang around.
0: Yeah. It sounds like these girls, I mean, you titled this, I don't know if we read this part. You, you titled this one, the mean girls incident. It sounds like these girls are in a movie. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. But not, but it's not, it's real life. Yeah. But it's, it's real life. Yeah. Um, and you know, I bet that a lot of our listeners can relate to this in a lot of different ways. Um, so I have a couple of questions about this. For one, okay. you um, you give this really good description of, you know, these girls being bad friends. And and there came a point where you realized like these are these are bad friends. What yeah. were you still During the time that you were, you know, having a friendship with them, were you, what do you think was keeping you staying friends with them?
1: Well, I just kind of thought, you know, these are the first people that kind of like actually talk to me and like, you know, invite me to do stuff. So I'm like, I kind of, I'm not going to get anything better probably. So I kind of just went along with it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I get that. That's that makes a lot of sense. And they were sort of the first people to reach out. You were like they were they were making you feel included and you know, we really in school especially we want to be included. So that's very powerful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um uh, actually before I came schools again, I actually started to realize like these aren't nice people. Like, even before I knew that the whole book thing happened, so I kind of started trying to, like, break away, but I just kind of put it, like, it wasn't enough, like, time, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. But That's a hard process. I mean, there, we have to remember, as you're talking about this, this isn't the only thing in your life. You're still going to school, trying to get good grades, being a good kid, being a good daughter Mm -hmm. at home right um being a good sister you're still let's see what else what else did you have going on at this time um besides school um
1: I think I was doing a um theater production at my uh local theater
0: yeah so you're in you're doing your activities you're in theater you're doing all of of these things and trying your best and so it's not like this is the only thing you're navigating Yeah, yeah. I think we forget that about kids a lot of the time that like there's there's a lot and and trying to be a kid and also do all the things that are expected of you and do well in school and then trying to – that's why I think your story is so important too because it really brings to the forefront how much other stuff is going on when you're at school. So your stories are about Mm -hmm. school – but they're not really about school. They're about all of the other things that you're trying to navigate at school. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I also want to do a a shout out to your, uh, history teacher who, uh, really like, I, I mean, you still remember that you're thinking about it. You, you actually like talk about it in the story. You needed a hug. It's okay. Like you needed a hug yeah. and, our, and teachers need to remember that yeah. too. Like the grownups need to give a hug when it's, the, when it's time, give a hug.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was a really amazing teacher with her first year teaching, but, and I feel bad for her because she had like, we had like two lockdowns this year There was like tons that year, there were tons of drama and I just felt so bad for it being like her first year, you know, she didn't really have a good experience. Right, for her first year,
0: yeah, so, yeah, I mean, kind of interesting too. It was your first year there, too, and you connected with that teacher, um and you both mm-hmm. experienced a lot of like big, dramatic, even kind of scary things, so that parallel is pretty interesting too, and you both left, yeah, yeah, um, I do want to talk just a little bit about that lockdown experience because. Uh, mm-hmm. clearly it was something from that time that was important enough for you to be thinking about. And it sounds like it maybe even set some of the tone for you know, your idea of safety there.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it definitely did. Um, it started like when I was there, I was thinking, like, the school didn't really handle the lockdown that great.
0: Yeah, you felt Uh-oh. like it, it could have been different.
1: Yeah, I felt like there's way safer, safer ways to, like, handle the situation. Right. But it just didn't they didn't really, like, I feel like they could have thought it through a little bit more.
0: Got it. Yeah. I, I hear that a lot um, when kids are talking about lockdown drills. And this wasn't even a drill. This was a real lockdown. mm mm-hmm. um, I wanted to just see, because you your reaction to that was really intense. And, and at one point you say you were like, you're definitely having anxiety. Oh um, yeah. definitely. <laughs> and you think that you started crying. Mm-hmm. Do you think people noticed how upsetting it was for you?
1: Um, well, I mean, I think at the time I was like, Oh man, everybody's looking at me, but I think nobody probably really noticed because they might have been feeling like the exact same thing. Like I know my teacher, um, he was just like super freaked out. Like I could just tell on his face that he was like, oh my gosh, that is happening.
0: Right. It's scary. I, I have been in situations like that in schools as a teacher also. Uh, it's It is pretty terrifying. Yeah. So, okay. So then the other thing I want to just touch on here since we have the time for it, did did anybody process that with you? So you got down with you got done with lockdown. Clearly people are upset. Did it get talked about? Did you process it? What was what happened after?
1: Um, well, everybody kind of talked about it a little bit afterwards, but it was kind of just dis- disregarded, I guess.
0: I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like kind um, of moving on from it.
1: Yeah we're kind of like, well, that happened, but we're moving
0: on. Right. Yeah. Which I think is, is probably, uh, an instinct for people to be like, Ooh, okay, let's move past that. Um, I always wonder, because I've heard a lot of kids say that before, and I actually, uh, have done a lot of therapeutic work with kids around these kinds of lockdown drills and lockdown events. And I always wonder, you know, if maybe part of the plan needs to be processing afterward, not just for kids who've had a hard time, but for all the kids and the teachers, right? That seems like an important part of that experience.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I don't really, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the school should have like handled it like better. Like they should have a different plan. Like the teachers should be more prepared because I could tell that clearly mine wasn't. Prepared for anything like this, right? But, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's... But um, in my my uh next school that I'm going to go, not that, that I um went to, uh, they actually had a whole different system that makes way more sense than oh. what we were doing.
0: Oh, good. Okay, so, so you've experienced. So this is what's this is the interesting part about your story too is that. You've been in a lot of different kinds of school settings, um, and, mm-hmm. and so you've experienced things uh, in so many different kinds of ways, and you have a really strong idea of, like, this really worked for me, and this really didn't, and that's a really interesting part of your childhood and your experience with school. Oh, yeah. That's
1: definitely, I would say so.
0: Yeah, and sometimes we don't know that things could be better until we go somewhere else and experience something different, and then realize like, oh, this is this feels much better to me, right?
1: Oh yeah, I definitely experienced that a lot. Def, uh, when we uh, moved across the country, there it was like totally different. Like it was a totally different. Place
0: right, I know. Okay, different,
1: that's like people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's the next part of your story, which is just fascinating. So we move mm-hmm. into that part. Um, I do want to know really quickly that um I'm just imagining like the story that um that your so called friends at your at your old school wrote. Uh sounds like it was pretty violent even. Uh oh oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're it, like, I can't that, even talk about it.
1: Yeah, I know what like, oh gosh. It anyway. was, <laughs> anyway, so bad.
0: Okay. Oh, so- <laughs> uh, that's like I and and you got to read it.
1: Um. Well, I read some of it, but I mean, I I kind of knew like my the principal called my mom and was like, "Hey, this happened." Um, and explained the whole situation, and then my mom told me what it was all about. You should have seen the look on my face. I was like
0: wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? All I, You're like, all I'm writing about is like walking over to a trash can. I don't know where this took a turn.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of all I knew. I, I did read a little bit of the beginning, but it didn't really
0: have anything like bad in it. But... <laughs> oh, oh man. Okay. This is a good lesson. <laughs> Let's just say this one time for any kids who are listening to this. If someone asks you to participate in writing a story or making a book about the people at your school, best bet is probably just to say no thanks.
1: Yeah. Like if somebody is like, hey, write this for me, but you don't actually know what you're writing for, just don't do it. Just Just, don't do it. Or like making
0: art for, just don't do it. Just don't do it, right? And I think especially your story highlights like the, the trust that you build with friends and you are already feeling like these aren't people that are, are good. And so yeah. I think a really important connection here is like if you have that feeling about people that you're around, if you feel like they're not good, if they're not good people, uh, listen to it. Pay attention to that. And it doesn't mean like, you know, necessarily have to do something big and drastic, but I think it does mean that you should watch the way that you trust them. Because if you have that feeling about someone, it, it's probably important to pay attention to and important to think about in terms of, of trusting. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah I had a very similar experience and in, in my schooling experience and I knew that some of these girls were not to be trusted and I knew it in my gut and I just got myself anyway into some, some bad situations. Um, so, you know, we learn from it. Hopefully you sharing this will, um, have some other kids, give some other kids the opportunity to really think and reflect about their own friends and their experiences. And so that's the goal, right? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I still think, I still keep thinking that image in my head of you like, oh, I'm going to write this really amazing piece for this book about a girl walking to the trash can. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I, when it was a girl walking to a trash can, I should have, I should have raised some red (laughs) flags.
0: Oh boy. I bet it was a really good description though.
1: Oh yeah. I read, I, I wrote it in like, Detail, (laughs) like through and through, just like
0: detail. Okay, I love it. All right, are you ready to move on to uh, the last part of your story?
1: Yeah, uh, sure. Okay. I was really excited to move across the country (laughs) after everything that had happened. I had the chance to hit the reset button again.
0: pause. It's right here where I start to feel like I can't let it go. This talk of new beginnings and resets and a new you. I want to say, hey, let's talk about this. That stuff you're saying about being a new you. I need you to know that's an idea that's been sold to you through beauty standards and unrealistic media representations. And as you get older, it will almost assuredly be connected to the size and shape of your body. And you'll keep working to fix it and change yourself because of it. But if you start to reject it now, you might save yourself so much time and energy and pain by knowing that you're absolutely enough in whatever way you show up in the world. But this is her story. I don't interrupt, and I don't offer advice. It's hard, but I'm glad I hold off on it because you'll see she's taking us there.
1: Literally, no one would know who I was. I had a very high hope. So near the end of summer, we packed up everything and left our big city in Washington State for a small town in Maryland. We bought a beautiful house with eight acres of land, and it even had a lake view. I was surprised that I actually had very little anxiety over the move. I was more excited than anxious. But then, of course, came school. It was a smaller school than I was used to, but it seemed nice. Let me tell you, the first week of school was culture shock. Every first thing I noticed was no one smiled at me, which was weird, coming from a very bubbly and happy society. There was a slight problem, too. I could not really understand some of the people. They had very thick accents. Gossip was huge as well. The first day of school, no one really talked to me, besides the question of, why did you just move here, or where are you from? No one really invited me to sit with them either, so I just had to choose a place to sit. Then they would not even talk to me when I would sit with them. It was almost like they had no idea how to make friends. Then, after a while, I started to realize that all of these people have been friends since the day they were born. Literally. So. They, did, they didn't know how to talk to new people. So it was pretty much what my seventh grade year was about, trying to figure out the culture. By my eighth grade year, I was basically a pro at understanding their culture. But there were two many things that people were asking me. The first was, why are you so quiet? Every time someone would ask me that, I would get so mad. I wanted to tell them it was because no one ever talked to me. but I didn't want to sound needy, I guess, so I would simply say because and the conversation ended right there. The second is why are you so innocent? Which I kind of took as a compliment, but it just started to get on my nerves. It it was every day someone would say this too. I remember one I remember one day at lunch, everyone at my table was talking about room decor. And this one person I hung out with said, "When I picture maid's bedroom, I think of pink and princesses." I was super mad, but I tried to stay calm. I tried to calm down and breathe. I I said what it actually was, which was a country farmhouse kind of vibe. And people started. Then people started commenting on my clothes again, and by this time. I was done with this school. There was only about four months left in the school year, but I decided I was going to homeschool. I said goodbye to all of the wonderful teachers and was gone. After Christmas break, I had become an official homeschooler. So far, it was—it it is going great. I do miss having an actual teacher to teach me, but I will most certainly take the trade-off. I, I am thinking... Of trying to go to an actual high school though, and see how that goes. But for now, I'm happy homeschooling.
0: Good. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, next part mm-hmm. of your school journey. So this is a big <laughs> one. You moved, yeah, in cro- across the entire country. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And you were excited. Oh
1: yeah, I was. Beyond excited, I was just, I was kind of just done with everybody, like in my old old town, and I just kind of wanted to just, you know, get a refresher.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you say, know. Th- you know, there is kind of a theme in this. You say, like, okay, like you said, I had the chance to hit the reset button again. Yeah, yeah. So you were ready. You were gonna have a, a new start, and then mm-hmm. it was different than you expected it to be.
1: Yeah, I've kind of had in my mind, you know, it's going to be the same, you know, Safeway. is just going to be right down the road like it usually is. But um, <laughs> now we have to drive like an hour to get to any form of a uh, grocery store.
0: Yeah, it's a sm- it's a small place where where you were at at this point, right? It's pretty small.
1: Mm-hmm. It has like
0: maybe 500 people in it. Oh, that's very small. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. And. You weren't expecting, you know, I think we don't think about this a lot, um, that there's so many different kinds of experiences in the United States and you're describing Mm -hmm. something that feels like a totally different culture from what you were used to.
1: Yeah. It's everybody like speaks the same language, but they think like totally different things.
0: Right, yeah it's it sounds like a a big shift from what you were used to, and these kids had known each other forever. Um, mm-hmm. In some of our conversations, and you know, we can edit this out if this is too much. But in some of our conversations together, and in your you know storytelling process, I remember one thing you said to me that really stuck out was that um, the kids that you were with now in your new town were really like early on preparing to get married. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so it was part of their like, their life plan. Go ahead.
1: Mm-hmm. I was in seventh grade, and I they were like, "Have you had a boyfriend yet?" And I was like, "No." And they were like, "Wait, what? You haven't had a boyfriend yet?" And I was like, "No, I'm I'm literally only twelve years old."
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what am I gonna do with a boyfriend? Why? <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So they. So so they were having like boyfriend girlfriend things happening pretty early on. It sounds like that was probably part of mm-hmm. why they they kept telling you you were so innocent.
1: That yeah, and um, also due to the point that I don't cuss and everybody else cuss.
0: Oh yeah. So different yeah. in like language too. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that this is this is a, an important point we've already determined that you're from the Northwest and that's where you were used. That's the culture you were used to. And there is research that shows that of all of the, the regions in the United States, uh, people in the Northwest curse the least. It is the least acceptable in our, in this region. So, you know, that is a difference in culture, right or wrong. That's Mm -hmm. just for, uh, and it was probably, um, like you said, a bit of a culture shock.
1: Yeah. Like, oh man, I just remember I was like, I was actually like scared of people. I was like, what are you saying?
0: Right. So it felt intimidating to you. Okay. Um, for the record, for all the listeners, just know that, um, while May is very, uh, shocked by her new, um, cursing culture that she's entered, uh, my own children would probably love it because, um, I don't know why and how this happened. We don't do this at our house very often, but my youngest daughter um, has a really foul mouth. She's a sweet, cute little kid, and she just curses like a little sailor. I don't know where it came from. Um, So just for the record, I'll just throw that in there. (laughs) Um, Okay, so another thing. So I think this difference in culture is really fascinating and it's impacting you at school in all kinds of ways. So people are, so you're coming in here and you're thinking, wow, these people are really different. And they're looking at you and mm-hmm. thinking, wow, this kid, this new kid is really different. Yep. Yep. So yeah, yeah, did you ever find a time where you could sort of bridge those differences? Was there anything that sort of like leveled that out for you?
1: Um, well, definitely, like, when we had to do, like, class projects, which I didn't really like that much because I didn't know anybody, and everybody's kind of, like, known each other, you know, since they were born. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, everybody would have, like, their own friend groups and stuff, and I would be like, oh, my gosh, where do I, like, belong in
0: this? Yeah, again, like, this idea of belonging has sort of followed you throughout your school experience. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like every time you think like, okay, I've got a plan, new start, and and then it just isn't quite what you had in mind.
1: Yeah. It
0: never quite works out. So why did I have four hands Right. So it makes mm-hmm. me wonder a little bit, um, where do you feel that sense of belonging because you're really, you're, you're such a a, a funny and smart and creative kid and you're very like well balanced in the world. So, so you're getting that sense of belonging somewhere. Where are the, what are the places where you feel that?
1: Um, definitely like at my house, like me and my sister are like super, super close. Um, and definitely, like, with my family, mostly. I've yeah. never really felt, you know, more, like, safe, like, anywhere else except for uh, with my family.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely so. see that for you, and I relate to that as well. I remember the times when I was going through the, the really, really hard times with the friend stuff and, and not having anyone at all. I remember always thinking like I, my, my home is my safe place. And if I can just, I, I had some pretty scary days and I remember thinking if I could just, if I can just get home, if I can just make it home, I'll be safe and it will be okay. Um, and then i yeah. you're right. And then I remember thinking also like, man, what would I do if I didn't have this?
1: Yeah. Think, yeah. I'm not really sure what I would do I know.
0: We're lucky. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're really lucky. Yeah. I think there are lots of kids that, that have the school complications and then also some home complications. And, you know, I, like I said, I think we all need to feel, um, included and we all need to feel like we belong somewhere. And, you know, it's important if we're, if we know kids who don't have that experience or if we're working with kids who don't have that experience, to find some ways to connect them to that belonging and it doesn't have to be like a big huge effort it could just be like connection to one person or one grown up or uh, a club or something that just feels a little bit more like i belong here right mhm yeah and, and, and the way that we've talked before um and in writing your stories too that you you have some of that sense of community in uh, in the theater world, right? Oh yeah, it's
1: I don't know. I like the theater world just because everybody, most people, are like kind of outgoing, so I tend to be able to like talk to them more because I have trouble like starting the conversations, but they can start it really easily. So,
0: oh, that makes so much sense. I've never thought about that, but of course that's true. You're surrounded by people who are going to take up that like labor for you. So it's really hard for you to be the one to initiate a friendship, Mm -hmm. but being in theater, it's just, you're around people that that's what they do. That makes so much sense. (laughs) Okay. That's really, I, I like that. I've never, ever thought of that. Um, all right. So something else that I wanted to ask you about, about this part of your story um, I'm wondering about, so those times that you're at this new school, did you ever think, man, I had it really good somewhere else?
1: Um, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do, I, I want to like move back. That's not like yeah. just to be with the different like culture and stuff.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. You're feeling like I, you're, you're ready to be back in your like more familiar setting. mm mm-hmm. um, And then another thing that, that really sticks out for me in every story, I think, yeah, in every story you wrote, and you might've done this intentionally, you have really, positive things to say about your teachers, even when other things were going bad, the teachers are always good and positive for you.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, I've only had a negative experience with like a teacher, um, maybe like once or twice in of course my first story and um just another time. But um (laughs) just another time. just (laughs) another um but rather than that the teachers have always been like really I don't know just like nice and like caring like they get a new batch of like kids every year kind of so they um kind of know how to like interact with different people I guess
0: yeah teachers are pretty amazing
1: yeah yeah I always just feel safe safer a little bit with
0: teachers Yes. Okay, that's such a good point too. I think a lot of kids experience that. So when you're going to school, and we have to remember that school is not easy for every kid. Some kids, it's a it's a scary thing to do to go from. You're explaining your like really safe place is your home and your family, and then every day you leave that and go to a place that doesn't always feel safe and doesn't always feel predictable. And I think we don't acknowledge that for kids a lot and it's important too. Mm-hmm. And then Yeah, I
1: would Go
0: ahead. Go ahead. No. <laughs> oh, you you can yeah. go. <laughs> okay. And then to have that that safe person is so important. And sometimes as a teacher, that's like the most important part of your job is to be that that anchor for the kids that have to come there every day who maybe aren't feeling great or safe about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. And yeah. your stories really highlight that. So I really, really appreciate that. <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So I want to ask you a couple more things. Um, I'm curious about, uh, the things that in your life throughout this and especially right now, what are the things that are, are going really well for you? Um, well, we
1: are kind of in like, we're kind of, I don't know, wrapping things up a little bit, (laughs) um, like across the country and, um, we're trying, we're kind of planning a little bit to move back. So that's definitely positive. I am right now I'm homeschooling. So I actually have more time to do what I want like it's homeschool only takes me about three hours so I can like do more art and write more and do more creative stuff like I've definitely gained a lot more confidence in myself than um when I was at school versus like you know now I have yeah I just I don't know I feel way happier now for some
0: reason yeah that's I mean that's a really important thing to pay attention to and I say this all the time school is different for every kid and finding the right fit is sometimes hard for kids and so but there are a lot of kids who don't get to experience a different kind of fit and one thing that is really interesting about your story is that the whole way through you haven't been afraid to make changes Mm mm-hmm and it sounds yeah. like you've been supported by your parents to say like, I want to do, go to this new place or I don't want to be here anymore. And that feels like an important part of your story too.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm really, really lucky to so, um, have yeah. such great parents.
0: Yeah. And you, what's really interesting. I, I like how you just described that you have more confidence now that you've gotten some space from school. Do you feel like you, you mm-hmm. needed that space to kind of know yourself better and start to feel more confident in your capacities? Definitely. I I don't I honestly don't really know
1: what happened, but like a week after I started home school, I was like, Man, I actually feel good <laughs> for months. And I was like, I don't really have a any anxiety anymore. I feel better. And I kind of know what I want to do now. Like I set some new goals for what I want to do. Like my, it's not like my number one focus is school anymore. Like I can go off and kind of do other things while,
0: you know, doing school. Right. What an interesting experience. I love the way that you're articulating that. I think It sounds, you know, from listening to it, it sounds like you needed some space to be yourself. Yep. That, that would pretty much sum it up. That would sum it up. And here you are, and you're very much yourself. And, um, I'm really happy to hear that you sound really happy. Your story is very interesting. Do you ever look back and (laughs) think like, this is okay. I'm, I'm glad I went through some of these things.
1: Yeah, I am actually, if I were to go back, like, if I could go back in time, I would not change a single thing.
0: Yeah, that's so important. (laughs) Because
1: I definitely, these experiences have have given me, like, I don't know, this sort of, like, new knowledge, I guess, that most, that I think most (laughs) 14-year-olds don't really have until they're older. So it definitely has made me a stronger person as well. So I I wouldn't change
0: anything. Yeah, that's amazing. That's such a good perspective to share uh, with people who are listening to this. And um, I want to ask you one more thing. Is there anything that you sort of to end all of this that you any advice you would give to kids who are maybe struggling with their own school experience?
1: Um, one thing I would definitely say, well, a couple things, um, is definitely like, if I uh, like, be yourself, like, even if like, have more confidence and be yourself, because even if there, there's people who like make fun of you, if you have confidence in yourself, that doesn't really matter. It's the, like yeah. them making fun of you, but if you have confidence.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Good. That's, that's so good. So confidence in yourself, believing in yourself. Sometimes when I'm talking to kids mm-hmm. about that, I, I want to start with like, you need to really know yourself before you can have confidence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So sort of finding some ways to develop that, that really strong sense of identity is important. I think kids hearing your story will that will help them to sort of realize like, Oh, I, I am this person and it's okay for me to be this way.
1: Yeah. Um, another thing I would say is like follow and do what you like to do. Um, because if you get like really good at something or like you enjoy doing it, then you have a lot of pride in that. And that gives you more confidence.
0: Oh, absolutely. That is, that that's like confidence in action. Yes. Finding some things that you can feel Mm -hmm. proud of. Yeah. ah, I love it. Anything Mm -hmm. else, anything else, any other advice you want to share? Those are two really profound and important things that you've, that you've shared with our listeners.
1: Um, also don't be like afraid. Like it doesn't make you weak if you ask for help on anything. Like it doesn't, Make
0: you less of a person if you ask for help. Yes, absolutely. That's honestly like what those are three absolutely brilliant pieces of advice to take away from all of this. Um, mm-hmm. And I and one thing I want to say. So so you said it doesn't make you weak, and um, you don't have to be afraid to ask for help. One thing I want to say about you before we wrap it all up is that it's really clear from the stories you've shared that while you have experienced some anxiety and you've had some some times of being pretty nervous about things you are so brave and your capacity for saying Thank like you. yeah you you are the kind of kid that you're like you don't you don't run away from change you're facing things head on and processing things and those are all really brave things to do so um Thanks. yeah, we have so much to learn from you. Uh I'm so glad that you shared your stories <laughs> with us today.
1: Yeah, I, I'm glad I got, you know, the experience. <laughs>
0: yeah. How does how, good. How does that feel for you, that, that storytelling process and putting your stories together? What was that like for you?
1: Um, well, I was definitely mostly like, what can people really get from this? So I did leave out a couple other stories that I kind of wanted to tell, but I was like, maybe right now people wouldn't really get much from this certain story or, you know, another story. But I feel like I had to kind of think definitely on what stories I wanted to share.
0: Yeah, good. You're so thoughtful about that. Maybe we can have you on another time to share uh, those other stories. And and it sounds like you're going to probably enter into a new chapter soon so we'll have to have you back on for some updates
1: i would love to come (laughs) yay
0: uh you are such a cool guest thank you so much for sharing and talking with us uh we've learned so much from you today and uh we're so appreciative thank you
1: (laughs) thank you for having me
0: That's our episode today. The one where May takes us through some really complicated and possibly familiar experiences with school. The one where she reminds us that it might just be okay and worth it to try new things and let go of other things in the name of coming to know ourselves well. Because that's where we find the space to actually be ourselves with confidence. Thanks for listening. As always, Tiny Reminders is a family affair written by me, co-produced and mixed by Johnny Lupinacci, music by Mark Ward, you can find at markwardmusic.com. And remember, if you know a kid or you are a kid with a story to tell, we would love to work with you. You can send me an email at tinyreminderspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at Mary Ward Lupinacci or at tinyreminderspodcast. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, listen on Anchor, or feel free to request us on Apple Podcasts. See you soon.
1: And in that pocket, there was one green card, two yellow cards, and one red card. If you were behaving well, you stayed on green. If you, if you were not behaving well, you would, you would flip to your, your, can we read that? <laughs>